0: Hello everyone, welcome to this podcast from Cambridge Health Tech Institute for the Molecular Medicine Tri-Conference, which will take place from February 19th to the 24th, 2017 in San Francisco, California. I'm Caitlin Waters, Associate Conference Producer. We have with us here today one of our speakers from the Circulating Cell-Free DNA Symposium, Dr. Abby Patel, MD, PhD, Assistant Professor in the Therapeutic Radiology Department at Yale University. Dr. Patel, thank you for joining us. Liquid biopsy has become a hugely popular term in the past couple of years, especially since technologies are enabling more sensitive detection. The technology is there, but this is still not a technique that is standard of care. Why do you think that is?
1: You exactly described the situation very accurately in that we've known about circulating tumor-derived DNA fragments being present in the blood of cancer patients for several decades now, but it's really only recently that technologies such as digital PCR and next-generation sequencing have allowed us to extract clinically useful information from these circulating DNA fragments. I think it's really these technologies that have enabled us to envision using circulating tumor DNA for clinical purposes, but there's still a bit of reluctance among oncologists to actually adopt some of these technologies in clinical practice. And I think that's just true for any new technology. So I think as additional clinical evidence becomes available and as oncologic societies such as ASCO or NCCN start to incorporate some of these methods in their guidelines, then I think this will get used in a more mainstream way. And I think there's also some practical issues such as reimbursement levels that still need to be figured out, at least here in the United States, that's the case. And then there's issues surrounding... Just the practicality of performing the testing, so some of the next-generation sequencing workflows are complex, and it requires central reference laboratories generally to perform the testing, but I think as some of these things get ironed out and some of the assay methods become easier and cheaper, I think it will also become more available within smaller laboratories
0: there seems to be a lot of debate around the viability of liquid biopsy for early detection. What is your take on this, and how does your current research tie in?
1: Early detection is probably the most impactful application of circulating tumor DNA or liquid biopsy, but I think it's also the most challenging because you're looking for these rare mutant DNA copies from a small early stage tumor, and it's really most useful if you're able to detect it from a small early-stage tumor. If you're able to detect sort of an occult malignancy that's already advanced, well, that's somewhat useful, but you're unlikely to cure the patient at that point. So really, I think, you know, finding the early-stage disease is is the key, but I think the problem is in early-stage disease, there are so few copies of mutant circulating DNA released into the blood, that the technologies to detect that DNA have to be extremely robust. And I think the challenge is further compounded by the fact that you don't know which mutation you're looking for, you know, because you don't even know if the patient has cancer. And so you're forced to look very broadly across broad variety of cancer, uh, cancer-related uh, genes, and you're looking for mutations that, You don't know whether they're actually there in the tumor or not. So the assay has to be designed to be very broad and across that broad area has to suppress any errors that occur in that broad area, because even if, you know, very low level errors occur in your assay, this could be mistaken for true mutations when you're looking for such low levels or such, you know, small copy numbers. And so, you know, my laboratory is very interested in this, as are many others. And I think also now there are commercial entities that are pursuing this goal as well, which I think is very exciting. So I think one of the solutions to this will be to really develop the technology to point where you've kind of reached almost the theoretical maximum sensitivity where you can capture the vast majority of the possibly mutated DNA molecules in your blood sample and then you make the mutation calls with very high confidence. So I think once we have a technology like that, then I think it's going to be the biology that really will need to understand and really to see whether this is truly a practically implementable screening approach for cancer and Some of the concerns there that I think large clinical trials, as are being conducted by some companies now, will help to shed light on this. Specifically, are there low levels of mutant DNA in the blood of patients of individuals without cancer? We know that there are precancerous lesions or precancerous changes that can happen that have some of the same mutations that are present in the blood of patients with cancer, and, you know. It remains to be seen whether some of these mutations are actually being spilled into the blood in sufficient quantities to make it difficult to identify true positive cases. So I think there's a lot to be learned about the biology still, but I think we also need to improve the technology so that we can really get to the biological questions.
0: Where else do you see the future of liquid biopsy going?
1: So I think the most immediate application for liquid biopsy will be for non-invasive mutation detection. I think that's sort of the goal. There is an application for which we have the most clinical data already, and basically to identify mutations such as EGFR or KRAS to guide therapeutic management decisions. I think that's something that's already happening clinically and you know I think will happen more broadly or will be accepted more widely in the near future. I think other applications such as monitoring response to therapy by following, changes in levels of circulating tumor DNA over time, I think, are very promising and will require more clinical data. But I think that is also an area that I think is very exciting, especially for diseases where we don't already have good protein biomarkers to follow. I think circulating tumor DNA also has a very different kinetic response profile than most protein biomarkers. And I think that could be used in a clinically advantageous manner. And then finally, earlier, Detection, I think, is kind of the holy grail of the field and be really exciting to see that become a reality, but that's going to really require large clinical trials to really demonstrate its efficacy. And also, as I mentioned, the technologies need to be really refined to enable that. But I think there's certainly promise in that area. And finally, I think it's great to see such an explosion of interest in this field over the past few years. Now there are hundreds of academic laboratories and more than I think thirty companies working in this area and We're seeing very obvious clinical applications to this, and I think it's really just a matter of now, when rather than if circulating tumor DNA gets more widely accepted as a clinically useful modality.
0: Thank you for your time, Dr. Patel.
1: Great, it's been a pleasure, thanks so much.
0: That was Dr. Abby Patel, MD, PhD, an assistant professor in the therapeutic radiology department at Yale University. He'll be speaking at the Circulating Cell-Free DNA Symposium at the Molecular Medicine TRI Conference, taking place February 19th to the 24th in San Francisco, California. If you'd like to hear him in person, go to www.triconference.com for registration information and enter the key code PODCAST. I'm Caitlin Waters. Thank you for listening.